Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and play. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 16th. We have just completed the first official week of preseason football for 2023, entering week two. Lots to talk about. My name is Michael Nazareth, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. And with me once again, my very good friend and very talented uh, fantasy writer, especially he wrote a really good one for the guide today. Uh, <laughs> his name is Chris Reader. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Thank you. Appreciate the kudos. Uh, yeah, like you said, good to actually watch some real football, admittedly only for a quarter till all the real players got out of the game, but uh, much better than the Hall of Fame games. Nice to see some real, real action and nice to see some of the rookies especially get their first taste of NFL action. Give us a little taste of what's to come. Oh yeah, a lot, lots of excitement. Uh, a lot of rookies uh, debuted. Uh, we we know, made note of a whole bunch of them on the website. Offer my uh, my opinion and our uh, premium news and views uh, feature for the site. But let's get right to the big news and notes of the week. And really, there are three big items to talk about. We already talked about one of them, which is going to continue doing do an update there. And I just found out something else on Twitter here as we're going to showtime about Mr. JT. But we'll get to him real quick here. Uh, first, uh, New York Jets uh, signed uh, Dalvin Cook. So uh, we're going to talk about Dalvin Cook a little bit more important, than, I guess, than, than Zeke at this point. But just get right to it, uh, Chris. Uh, Dalvin Cook is going to be a New York Jet, uh, and uh, he, he's going to be practicing probably with the team within a week or so. He's still kind of rehabbing his shoulder. His uh, wife's giving birth too, so he he's away from them this weekend and all coming weekend. But he'll be with them next week. What do you think Dalvin Cook brings to the Jets and fantasy impact for that backfield? Yeah, this this is actually the most interesting thing. I was wondering where he was going to land. I, I've been saying all along, wherever he goes, he's going to be brought in to be that team's number one running back, not as part of a committee. So I truly believe that's the case. The Jets have obviously been all in with the trade for Aaron Rodgers and some other other moves. So you don't pay a guy $8.5 million, potentially, uh, in, in the press running back market if you're not planning to use him and use him heavily. So my opinion, I think he's going to slot right in as a as – a, not even a 1A in, in RBBC. I think he's going to be the main guy, um, spelled by Brees Hall, obviously. He's going to get – is he going to be as, as much as he was in Minnesota? Probably not. He, he was a little less efficient last year. But he's, he's going to be their go-to guy. Uh, you didn't bring him in not to do that. Um, the, the big fantasy impact is that it, Brees Hall was kind of a sexy pick to make the rebound after his hot start as a rookie. 
uh, I think he's going to be relegated to third down back status and, and handcuff status. Now, again, uh, what's his name? Cook. I almost forgot. Delvin Cook's not exactly been the healthiest guy ever. Like you said, he's still got that chronic shoulder thing. So I think Reese Hall is a darn good handcuff with really high potential, certainly still serviceable as a wide, as a, a running back three or a flex in, in the PPR. But his his fantasy value really took a hit with this signing. Uh, that's that's a lot different opinion than a lot of people out there. Saying people think that Cook and Brees Hall might end up sharing the uh, the job equally. Uh, we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. Brees Hall, by the way, was activated from the pup list and has uh, started to slowly practice with the team here. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next week or two. I wouldn't expect to see either of those guys playing uh, in any of these last two preseason games. It's going to be interesting. And, of course, the other uh, – the, the first dime that dropped, I guess, uh, was actually Zeke uh, agreeing with the Patriots. I've got my thoughts on, on that, but I want to get your thoughts. Uh, what does Zeke uh, mean to the Patriots and the, the running back backfield with Ramondre Stevenson, Chris? Yeah, I think a lot of people had already kind of built into Ramondre Stevenson's draft value and ADP. The fact that the Patriots would sign somebody, uh, probably a little bit of a hammer goal line back. Uh, despite Ramondre Stevenson's size, he was a very, one of the worst, uh, least, in, least effective running backs inside the five last year. Uh, only scored a touchdown like like 25% of his series, something like that. Whereas Zeke was well over 50%, one of the best in the league. And he always has been had a nose for the goal line. So it's it's realistic that Elliott's going to be the primary goal line back and still get a fair amount of action uh, being worked in. It's definitely going to limit Stevenson's touchdown potential, which is going to lower his ceiling um, uh, without really affecting his floor, especially in a PPR. So his overall fantasy value takes a little bit of a dent. Nothing like Brees Hall, but it'll take a little bit of a dent. If you go back and look, Stevenson only scored six touchdowns last season, but only one of them came in a game that Damian Harris did not play in. You know, Harris had had literally half, almost exactly half the carries, and he missed seven games, and Stevenson didn't. So I think that backup's going to get a little bit more run than people think, and it's going to have a little bit more of an impact on Stevenson than a lot of people think. Um, is Zeke going to get all the carries Harris got? Maybe not. Uh, Stevenson's younger, stronger, might, might get a few more. But it's definitely going to it's going to cap his upside. I don't think it it lowers him much in the rankings, but it definitely caps his upside. And if you're drafting him based on upside, you're going to take a little bit of a hit there. Yeah, the uh, the ADP right now uh, for for Stevenson's third round, and it's going to be interesting to see if it falls into the fourth round for that. But um, the way I view this is that Zeke is a veteran player. He is a good runner between the tackles. Uh, and he can pick up pass protection. So I think on certain third downs they're going to use Zeke, only certain, um, because uh, Stevenson does catch a lot of passes there. He's going to sprinkle in first, second down here and there, and the big use of Zeke is probably going to be at the goal line because, like you said, Stevenson just wasn't very efficient at at the goal line, and that's one thing Zeke can still do. He had a lot of one- and two-yard touchdown runs last year, taking those numbers away from Pollard, and that's going to continue. It's also interesting to see – the deal that was first reported that Zeke got was up to $6 million, uh, with a $3 million base, and that's not true in terms of the base. The base was only a million and a half. He gets a $600,000 signing bonus, and if he, they have to put him on IR for any amount of period of time, then the base shrinks from one and a half to $1 million. So uh, it looks like it most guaranteed if he makes the final cut in the roster uh, will be $2.1 million. The rest is all incentives, and it's like he has to rush for 900-plus yards, uh, they're all in increments of 300000 uh, with a lot of it tied to making the playoffs and winning the Super Bowl, and uh, that's going to be very tough for the Patriots to do. So this is a deal that uh, probably Zeke uh, couldn't maybe 
make any, get any better, better numbers. But it's interesting that Dalvin Cook also went to go visit the Patriots, and I think he knew that the the offer he wasn't going to accept, and it was probably a smoke screen to kind of you know push the Jets to up their offer to where he got a guaranteed seven million and with a chance to make eight and a half. And uh, so obviously the winner is Cook here, but Cook is a younger back and more talented right now in their career. Now moving on over to Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he returned to the team last week, uh, but he's still on the pup list. He's still got the ankle. They're not sure. Uh, you know, the coaches are saying, hey, we just got to get JT healthy. And what I just read, a statement from the Colts, and I wanted to read this to you because it just literally just broke on, online here, saying that Jonathan Taylor returned to Indianapolis to continue his rehab. However, he had a personal matter arise. He's not currently with the team, and his absence is excused. So, do you still uh, back JT, uh, Chris, in terms of drafting him and assuming that he's going to be ready to go come week one? I, at this point, yes, although I do, I must admit that reports like this do give me a little bit of cause for concern, um, more than I had before. The, the other interesting thing I noticed is that of, of all the other guys that are rehabbing or on pup, they were all on the sidelines watching practice, and Taylor wasn't you know, that first day he got back. So he, was, he said he was on site, and they said he was rehabbing, but he wasn't out watching. So, again, that makes me a little bit more nervous than I had been in the past. But one thing I did notice, though, is that they released their depth chart for this weekend's game with Jonathan Taylor obviously not going to be active because he's, because he's still on the pup list, but he was still listed as a starting running back. So I, I think the team at least believes he's going to be there. So maybe that tells me that some of these things that people are assuming about his absence behind the scenes, he's not talking to anybody. I, I'm reading into it obviously a lot. I haven't heard this from anybody, but when they still list him as a starting running back, that maybe that tells me that they think he's going to be there. And that probably goes a lot farther than any of the speculation a joker like me could come up with. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Johnson Teller's ADP uh, back in the offseason was uh, end of the first round. It's consistently slid uh, to the start of the first, the third, uh, second, middle of the second, and now if you're talking high stakes leagues, he's a third round pick. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, if I'm drafting in the middle of the draft and it comes back around to me and I'm looking for an RB1 in the mid to late second round, I'm not drafting Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. If things may change and he might show up and then be activated and get in a full week of practice before the season, look good, then if you draft at that point, uh, things have changed. But right now, it's a very big risk, and I just don't take those types of risks with my RB1. Let's get to the uh, list of injuries. It's a little bit longer because I want to make sure we go over a lot of a lot of a lot of guys have had things happen here, especially today and yesterday. Uh, first, uh, uh, the only quarterback on the list, Joe uh, Joe Burrow, his recovery line is still unchanged. Unchanged. It was good that he ran and threw before the preseason game with no issue and didn't even have a sleeve on his calf. Uh, so I think he should be okay for week one, and that's what they're saying right now. Of course, I already mentioned Brees Hall has been activated from the pup list with that uh, 20 ACL. It's going to be interesting to see when he starts practicing with the team, how he looks. Miles Sanders uh, in Carolina with the groin, he is progressing, but he won't play in any preseason games. He's not going to practice this week, and that's probably a smart move. He should be good for week one. J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore has been activated, uh, and he uh, began practicing. Looks pretty good. Uh, actually, you know, he had a little bit of a limp there in some of the videos I saw on Twitter there. They say he's 100% healthy. We'll see, but he still looked pretty good when he was running, and he was cutting uh, with no problems there. Uh, Demian Harris for Buffalo with a knee. He returned to practice. That's good news there for him. Kendra Miller, uh, this rookie for the Saints, uh, suffered a knee injury in the game last week, but uh, they're saying that he's likely to play in week one, but you might want to think about uh, uh, drafting 
him uh, or, or not drafting him uh, if you're in a redraft or league and you need immediate output because it looks like he's probably be brought along slowly there. They've got a whole stable of backs there. Cordell Patterson, uh, soft tissue injury, just announced today. He's out two-plus weeks there, but you were talking B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier are the guys there. Over for the Rams, moving wide receiver Cooper Cup with a hamstring injury. He won't practice this week. They hope to get him to practice next week. Still on track to play week one, and we shall see. The big scare at the end of last week was Devontae Adams with his leg. He uh, ended up uh, limping off the field, but uh, they said it was not serious, and guess what? He returned to practice today, looks good, and the head coach, Josh McDaniel, said, hey, he's 100%. Uh, we'll go from there. Garrett Wilson returned uh, from an ankle injury, uh, and he returned to practice. He looks good there. Two uh, late-breaking injuries here. Amron and St. Brown with a leg in practice today. Uh, we don't know the status here. Uh, he came off the field, uh, didn't have to be carted in. That's the good news there. We'll see. And also, Jamison Williams was grabbing his hamstring in practice, some kind of hamstring injury there. We'll uh, update their conditions on quick bits. Jalen Waddell uh, injured his side. has been absolutely nothing talked about him this week. Uh, so uh, hopefully he's okay. Uh, there's nothing saying that it's serious, so we'll see. Keep an eye on him there. Another injury that happened today had Traylon Burks. Caught a touchdown, landed awkwardly, hurt his leg. He was upset. They carted him off the field. So this could be minor or it could be major. Uh, you know, just keep, a, your, uh, keep that in mind. And if we're drafting today before we get an update on here, I would not draft Burks. Jordan Anderson uh, for the Vikings, a rookie, is in concussion uh, protocol. Uh, so he should be okay. We were three-plus weeks out from the first game, people, so don't worry about these types of things right now. Uh, unfortunately, in Tampa Bay, Russell Gage hurt his knee. It looks like he's lost for the season, a serious injury. They're going to clarify that later this today or tomorrow. My deep sleeper of the year for wide receiver Justin Ross has a leg injury. He returned to practice today for the Chiefs. That's good there. It's three big, uh, four big names in the tight end position. T.J. Hawkinson has an ear infection. That's the reason why he's being limited in practice. It's not a hold in people, so I think he's going to be good to go. They're just going to take it easy until he gets over that. George Kittle has an adductor strain. He will not uh, practice this week, but we're still three-plus weeks out, so hopefully they expect him to come back and practice next week. Mike Piazzecki with a partially dislocated shoulder. He hopes to play week one, so you might want to move him down the list there. That's good news, actually, for Hunter Henry in New England. And Zach Ertz coming off that torn ACL. He's been activated. He's on track to play week one, but he probably won't have Kyler Murray. You might want to move him up a little bit down from the bottom of your list there. He might make a good uh, uh, tight end three with potential. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Read Drafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. 
We always urge everyone to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. And a big shout-out to our sponsor, myffpc.com. If you want to play in a low-stakes, medium-stakes, high-stakes fantasy league, these are the guys for you. been playing in their uh, high-stakes leagues exclusively for the last 12 years. I think this is the 13th year. Uh, and uh, we're talking the Fantasy Football Players Championship down drafts down here live on the strip at Planet Hollywood. Also draft online so you don't have to leave the confines of your home if you don't. It's 2000 per team, 1600 for an extra team. That's a lot of money, people, but guess what? The winner gets a million dollars, and this, this they, they won a million dollars last year, uh, the team that won it. So uh, these guys pay out uh, promptly. Uh, no issues there. We're talking thousands of teams. I think last year they had over 4,000 teams in this event, all 12-team leagues, so it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. But the big thing is that if you just want to play in a best ball league, they've got best ball tournaments, they've got dynasty leagues you can start up, they've got regular uh, leagues, non-PPR, uh, non, uh, PPR, uh, and, and it starts at 35 bucks. 77 bucks, 100 bucks. So you can't go wrong with them if you if you don't have a local league to play in, but you still want to play fantasy football. Check out myffpc.com. And of course, on our site, our flagship uh, still continues. The feature continues every day. Uh, it's our free quick bets feature. It's ffmastermind.com/quickbets.php. And of course, we're still keeping track of all the free agents and such as they sign the player movement tracker. Free eye-in-the-sky scouting reports, including those for the Colts from Chris Rito, as well as uh, we have a new scout, and it's um, uh, uh, mastermind writer Dr. Gil Bavars covering the Dallas Cowboys now for us. So we're also updating our master's list, uh, customizable uh, cheat sheets, our MCP board, Mastermind Championship Predictions board, and our executive draft master drafting software for our premium subscribers. Version 4 of the preseason draft guide has been released. It was last Friday. Uh, we added another four articles to it. It's 469 pages. Easy reading, okay? 1995. There's more articles that uh, have been released this week, including the one just today on magic quarterback handcuffs. That means, uh, uh, let's say you draft Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott as your starter. Who do I target as my backup? Who goes well according to schedule, whether they're off or not? Uh, Chris Rito delves into this and gives a very detailed response and in, in where you should be looking for uh, in terms of your backup. A lot of good guys, too. And I just wrote an article called 12 Players Not to Draft at Their Current ADP. I went run by round by round the first uh, round through the 12th round, pick one player that I'm not going to draft at their current ADP in that round. Some interesting names on that list, including CMC. I love Christian McCaffrey. 102, a little bit rich for my blood. We'll see. Anyway, premium summer race on the site, Pro Bowl package, forty nine ninety five. They get you everything except the drafting software. If you want everything, including the drafting software, it's a Super Bowl package, fifty nine ninety five. Please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. All right, let's get to the uh, – this is the wide receiver preview show. So we're going to go over the top ten wide receivers in a PPR format, and then we're going to give a couple of guys we like in, in terms of sleepers or underrated guys, and then guys that we're a little bit scared about, overrated creepers type guys. So, Chris. Give me your top three uh, wide receivers in PPR format for 2023. Yeah, and in fact, the top five really, I mean, you're splitting hairs between any of them. They're all going to be, you know, super, and it's a matter of preference. So uh, there's very little difference between, between actually two and five, really between one and five. So I'll start with Justin Jefferson at the top. Just don't overthink it. He posted 4,800 yards and 26 touchdowns in his first three years in the NFL, playing for a run-focused and conservative coach for his first two years. Now with his new pass-happy offensive-minded head coach, he's improved his numbers each year. And most importantly to me, his two big red zone threats, Adam Thielen and Irv Smith, are now elsewhere. So he could really challenge for 2,000 yards and bust into double-digit touchdowns. 
Um, Tyreek Hill is my number two. Uh, a lot of folks questioned his sanity last year when he compared Tua to Mahomes and then saying he's going to shoot for 2,000 yards this year. But really, the stats back him up more than you think. He, he had 1,700 yards and 119 catches, both career highs, despite Tua missing six games last year. You look at Tua's strengths, the short-range accuracy, which leads to yard after catch, and he's among the most efficient deep passes in the NFL the last two years, too. So, you know, with Hill being a lock for 1,200 yards and an average of 10 touchdowns for the last six seasons, um, you know, he's got the best running mate at receiver he's ever had across him. It's just scary, but Tyreek Hill to me. And then my number three is Jamar Chase. Um, aside from his college teammate, Jefferson, every other huge rookie, rookie wide receiver has regressed to very good but lesser numbers his sophomore year. But Chase only did that last year because of injury. He really feasts on the big play, so he's prone to explosive weeks as well as a high floor. He definitely distanced himself more from his 1A running mate, T. Higgins, in target share, efficiency, and stuff. But his efficiency and volume did drop off when Higgins was out of the lineup. So unless he and Higgins and Burrow stays healthy, I don't see him being able to burst into that upper echelon just yet, but he's real close. Um, but like I said, it's splitting hairs between one, two, and three. Okay. Uh, here's my top five, and, and in fact, for me, top six is almost interchangeable for the same reasons that you say right there. Number one, uh, everyone's got Justin Jefferson, number one, and you did a very good job explaining why, so I'm not going to add to that. He's my number one guy. My number two guy right now, and I'm sticking with him right now, and we'll see if the hamstring holds up and gets better. It's Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, what do we – we don't know. Uh, everybody knows. I'm sorry. Everybody knows what he's done and what he's capable of doing, and, of course, the mind meld that Stafford has with Cup is, is un, uh, extraordinary. So if he's healthy, I think he uh, he's the number two guy here. Uh, and if you want to pass on him, then I would take Jamar Chase. Uh, that, that's my number three guy right now for the a lot of reasons that you say right there. If he'd been healthy for all of 2022, I think he would have been pushing for the top spot there. And number four, you can't go wrong with Tyreek Hill, too, because he's almost inflated there uh, when, if Tua, Tua, go, Tua goes out. Of course, there is a little bit of risk if Tua goes out week one and it misses the entire risk the whole season. That's one of the issues that you take if you take Tyreek Hill. Other than that, if Tua likes the same uh, the whole season healthy, then Tyreek Hill could push, push for the number one spot. And number five is Stephon Diggs, the most underrated and safest wide receiver to draft in your first round in Buffalo. Uh, I got him here over 100 catches, 1,400 yards, 10 scores. Uh, he's the most consistent elite wide receiver. And guess what? He was number one after nine weeks with Josh Allen healthy. Last year in, in a PPR system, he only slipped to number five basically because of Josh Allen's elbow injury. So if Allen stays healthy this year, there's no reason why Stefan Diggs could not challenge for the number one position right there. How about the rest of your top five, Chris? Yeah, my number four is about one guy you didn't mention yet, and that's Devontae Adams. Uh, six straight years in the top six in PPR points per game amongst receivers, twice being the number one. Last year he did on a new team and led the NFL in touchdown receptions again. Now he's the primary threat in a pass-based offense, and barring an injury, he's as solid a number one you could hope for. He's a lock for double-digit targets every week, a double-digit touchdown score, six of the last seven years, and it would have been seven straight if he didn't miss eight games that one year. Many's going to question if Garoppolo can provide him the same quality and quantity of targets he got from Rodgers and Carr, but I'm going to guess that a veteran quarterback knows how to do that. In a non-PPR, I might even take him ahead of Jamar Chase due to his high touchdown scoring. And now my number five is Cooper Cup. You know, after his triple crown in 21, he drew consideration for the number one overall pick in PPRs last year. Obviously, he had his knee injury. The Rams' regression scared off people. But don't overthink this. He was actually the top PPR points-per-game receiver last year when he got hurt, ahead of Jefferson's stupid statistical year. He got high volume, red zone usage. So why is he a number five on my list and close? 
not because he's dropped back or not because he's over 30 and not because of the hammy injury. Simply put, to me, the, the differentiating factor here is that these other younger guns are mostly ascending, and he's tied to Stafford's success a little too much for my comfort level to move him ahead of those other four. Yeah, uh, I can't disagree with anything you have to say there. And my number six guy is Devontae Adams for much of the same reasons you say. I'm, I'm just a little bit behind in terms of the Garoppolo there and any backup in case Garoppolo goes down. But still, I don't think you can go wrong with him as a WR1 in your team. Number seven right now, C.D. Lamb uh, in Dallas. I think uh, he's going to take that next step to become an even more elite receiver. He's, he's maybe the one guy that's outside of the top six here. I still forecast over 100 catches, 1,300 yards, and nine scores, and that's conservative there. And number eight, in my eyes, is A.J. Brown, co-number ones, I think, but Devonta Smith. Uh, we'll talk about Devonta a little bit later. Uh, but uh, A.J. Brown... Uh, 86 catches, 1,400 yards, 10 scores. That's still a good, solid uh, WR1 for me. Uh, you know, the, he's going to be a little bit uh, more inconsistent because of Devonta Smith in an offense. And, of course, there's Dallas Goder too. But still, I mean, it's such a high-powered uh, offense. You really can't go wrong with this guy. So how about the rest of your uh, top ten, Chris? Yeah, these, there's a little bit of a differentiation from my top five. I've got Stephon Diggs at six. Uh, maybe 21 was a bit of his ceiling and a little bit of an aberration, but Diggs was still a number one in any scoring system. The offense is too good. He's too good to rank any lower than this. Five straight 1,000-yard seasons, and he's averaged 1,410 scores in the three years in Buffalo. So he's still a volume hog. Like you pointed out, his PPR value has a very high floor. And amongst the guys in my six to ten range, he may have the lowest chance to rise much above his average season, but he's the safest to stay in the top ten for sure, like you pointed out. Uh, my number seven is A.J. Brown. Um, like Diggs, he probably doesn't have a lot of upward potential, but he's a solid number one. He always offset his low volume in the past by being efficient and with big plays, and as an eagle now, he finally got volume. Uh, he got great volume last year, 40, uh, uptick at 40 targets, career-best numbers, and the offense is really suited to him with that quick-hitting RPO to get the ball in his hands and the big fast guy and let him run. So I like Brown at seven. I've got CD lamb number eight, you know, he's been your top eight as well. Um, he took over as a high volume star last year, like many predicted. Uh, but unlike his first year as an alpha dog this year, he's got a proven weapon in Brandon cooks lining up from him across from him. So he might actually see some lesser coverages and get a few more big plays this year. I just can't rake him ahead of the guys ahead of him because of the questions and the changes around the Dallas offense, particularly to me, the boring Mike McCarthy, taking over for the creative Kellen Moore calling plays. That has me concerned enough to put him behind A.J. Brown. My number nine is Jalen Waddell. Big weekly potential, low-end wide receiver one standing, play, playing for one of the most explosive passing offense league. Yeah, he's, he's a clear number two in the pecking order, but uh, he has caught over 100 passes just two years ago as a rookie. And when the team added in Hill, his targets went down by two per game, but his touchdown totals went up, and he had 300 more yards. So he's getting much more quality targets. Uh, even though he may not get the quantity he did as a rookie. Uh, none of the other 1As, like Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, have his kind of volume, which is why I move him into the, into the top 10. Um, and then my number 10 is Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you just can't ignore a guy for PPR that is a near-mortal lock for 100 catches and 150 targets. You, but you just also can't rate him any higher than this when he's not been a big touchdown scorer. He's averaged under six per year in his short career. Um, the Lions added some pass-catching clout this year, and they might be a little bit lower volume because their defense gets better, so they might not have as many shootouts. But St. Brown's attention from a very trusting Jared Goff is going to keep him as a high-volume PR god, sun god, I guess he would be. 
you, you can't go wrong with any of these guys here. And my number nine is somebody you haven't talked about yet, and that's Garrett Wilson, ascending young wide receiver. Uh, already developed a great chemistry with Aaron Rodgers at camp. A lot of excitement there. He's no doubt the number one there. Uh, you know, even even without Aaron Rodgers, with Zach Wilson last year, I know he only scored about four or five times there, but he had over a thousand yards. I think he's going to. Uh, almost hit 1,300 this year with over 90 catches and probably approaching the double digits, so he's number nine on my list. And number 10 is also my Amron or St. Brown, not withstanding the leg injury today. Hopefully that was a minor thing, but I see the same thing you. Over 100 catches, 1,200 yards, whatever the question is, is he going to score six times, eight, eight or ten? More likely closer to six. I've got him at eight. We'll see. Uh, just outside my top ten, uh, we, we, I mentioned Devonta Smith early, and, and he's a, a low-end WR1, I mean, almost as good as uh, uh, A.J. Brown. They're totally different types of receiver. He's just more of a slight build, speedy guy. He's going to make the big play. They'll hit off some games where he catches eight or ten balls, and he'll have some games where he catches two because he's just not needed. But, you know, still, I don't think you can go wrong with any of these guys. Um, it, was there anything you wanted to say about Mr. Wilson, Chris? Yeah, he was actually just outside my top ten. He was, he was a, a, a close 11th, and I just I gave him a little bit of a nod because I just I want to see how he how he meshes on the field uh, with all the other weapons, especially with the Dalvin Cook signing. I think that's going to take a few more passing attempts out of a out of a high volume attack. Okay, let's go right to the sleepers or uh, underrated guys. I'm going to start. Uh, so uh, my first uh, is Cortland Sutton. His ADP is nine, and yet uh, really in practice and in training camp, he's seen as the number one target for Russell Wilson. I know that Jerry Judy's going to have a good year too, but uh, when you can get Cortland Sutton uh, in the ninth round of a draft, uh, you know that's 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 value. And another guy I like, and of course he's, he's creating a lot of buzz around his camp, Romeo Dubes for the Packers, the second year uh, with the Jordan uh, Love has looked really good so far in camp and as well as in preseason games. Dubes going to get a lot of targets. Some think that he's going to catch the most passes for that team. And his ADP is the 14th round, people, so you can get a really good value there. What about you, a couple of uh, guys that uh, you think are sleepers or underrated, Chris? Yeah, I got a couple of veterans that a lot of people are writing off as dead, but I think the people are making a mistake. Uh, their ADP is just too low. I'll start with Mike Evans. All the guy does is produce at a high clip. He outproduced every other receiver in the NFL over his nine years, all of them 1,000-yard seasons, all nine seasons, despite playing with five different quarterbacks. You know, he did play before Tom Brady, believe it or not. Uh, and with the Tampa defense, I think taking yet another step back this year and Brady gone, I look for the Bucks to be in catch-up mode more frequently, maybe leading to increased passing volume overall. There's just a lot of targets to be had there, and I think a lot are going to go to the big fella. He's a low wide receiver three in ADP, maybe even a wide receiver four, and he's going to outproduce that. And then uh, Deontay Johnson. Before last year, Johnson had a two-year run where he averaged 157 targets, 97 catches, and eight touchdowns. He was a low-end number one wide receiver each season. Last year, he was pretty close to those same numbers, 88 catches, 147 targets, but he had a shocking zero touchdown, so he finished wide receiver 44. The most targets in NFL history without a touchdown was 109 before last year. He had 147. That's just regression to the mean works in both directions. You know this is a prime candidate to return to at least wide receiver two land in PPR with even like six touchdowns. So I think with some better quarterback play, the rookie's a little better, maybe a little bit less Mitch Trubisky. Deontay Johnson is due to bounce back and regress to the mean. 
Yeah, there there was a uh, a video on YouTube that talked about uh, showed a lot of the catches with Deontay Johnson and such, and there was more than more than one occasion that he he got tackled at the one yard line. <laughs> and I'm like, what is yeah. this going back to Michael Irvin in the day when uh, when Emmett Smith would get the one yard score after Irwin caught a 50 yard pass down on the one yard line? It's kind of funny, but but I totally agree with you there. A couple of overrated guys, I think, right here. Well, I mentioned Cortland Sutton. How about his teammate Jerry Judy? Yeah, they might end up put, producing about the same number of snaps, but if you want Judy in your draft, you're gonna have to take him in the in the fourth round fourth round as opposed to ninth round for Sutton and I've seen Jerry Judy actually go in the third round which I think is just plain crazy uh the other guy on my list here is Michael Thomas I'm sorry all the respect to Mr. Thomas when he was uh, back in the day and the number best receiver in the league and then he signed that big contract and it's been injury after injury after injury and yes he's He's practicing around. He's not practicing fully. They still say he's not 100%, but he caught some passes in preseason. And so his ADP is around the eighth round, and I'm like not going to touch him. He would have to probably fall to like the 12th, 13th, 14th round for me to even sniff around Michael Thomas. And uh, I won't be surprised if he's not playing by week six, so I'm avoiding him completely. That's just your call if you want to do that too. Anyway, uh, Chris, how about a couple of already guys you think uh, to wide receiver for 2023? You know, coupling with your Romeo Dobbs, I'm going to go with Christian Watson is overrated. He's been drafted this year as a wide receiver two in PPRs, but he really has not shown me enough to do this. Yeah, he had a nice little stretch last year, but with a startlingly high and really unsustainable touchdown rate and a really a very low target share. It is not without reason that Romeo Dobbs is markedly outscored and was out-targeting Watson before Dobbs got hurt last year. And so far in camp and in the first game, it looks more like Dobbs is the apple of Jordan Love's eye more so than Watson. I'm going to let somebody else draft Watson as their number two in round four or five. Well, I take Dobbs, like you said, in round 11, 12, 13, whatever it is, and get strikingly similar numbers, just like they did last year, which most people don't realize. And then for the second year in a row, one of my most overrated guys is Debo Samuel, uh, probably one of the most likely candidates in the top 20 for a bust-level regression, as his really his huge fantasy explosion in 21 and early in 22, that was all buoyed by those unexpected rushing games, right? But that slash roll was almost completely obliterated when McCaffrey became a niner last year, and he did not get nearly as many red zone targets or rushes after that. Now, it's true he was hurt a bit late in the year, but his, I also look at his numbers once Purdy got under center were, were, without argument, way worse than running mate Brandon Ayuk, and all the receiving touchdowns down the stretch went to Kittle. So he's really talented, but he's a really risky pick as a number two guy, in my opinion, because he's just not getting the, the, the high-value touches he did when he was a uh, when he was an explosive commodity back in 21. Okay, we want to give everybody an update because I had some inquiries about this uh, veteran senior writer John Cooney for Fantasy Football Mastermind is indeed out of the hospital. He's doing a little bit better. Um, he's still meeting with a lot of doctors, and unfortunately he's going to have to undergo some chemotherapy. So we wish him the best. We respect his privacy and all, but you know you're in our prayers and in our hearts and. Get get well, John. You're a big part of the family, and uh, you know we hope that things do uh, continue to get a little bit better for you, and get a lot better, and go into something called remission. And you know we'll see. We're all we're all praying for you there. Anyway, thank uh, thanks for ever uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Michael Lazarek. We'll see you all next week when the tight end position from a fantasy perspective is previewed for 2023. Good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time 
Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!